Holy shit. This is our table. Kind of been planning this trip since we were nine. We gotta have, huh? Our lady gave me a mission to... <laughs> I sound like a nut job. Kind of. <laughs> What's the mission? She said it was my destiny to basically find a whole new kind of magic. You know, she said it was something that couldn't be given. It had to be found. So we have to find it. I bet you it's here. So I guess we're off to see the wizard. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 112 of Physical Kids Weekly, 39 Graves. Danny's out this week, so I'm here with Rosalind Jackson, creator of the original Magician's Photo Challenge and the uh, Show Us Your Tuts, the first Show Us Your Tuts campaign, as well as another incredibly special guest, Henry Alonzo Myers, who wrote this episode along with Leah Fong. Welcome, Rosalind. Welcome, Henry. Hi. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I, I want to thank you both for being here today, and, and especially to Henry. Um, Henry, I want to start by asking you about your relationship with the books. You'd read them before the show started, right? What was that? Yeah. No, yeah. I was um, I was working on a show in Toronto uh, called Covert Affairs, and I, you know, I was there for when you shoot in Canada. Sometimes you just go for a long time, and I was there to produce an episode, and I was there for three weeks, and I brought two books with me. I brought the um, the Goldfinch. Oh, which I have a hundred pages left in, uh, and and it's a huge book, and yeah, that's how badly I enjoyed that book that I carried the entire <laughs> book with me. Uh, and I brought the Magicians, and the you know I finished the Goldfinch, and I was like, oh man, I hope this is a. I, I had read about the Magicians on I want to say on like the AV Club because yeah. I'm a I'm like a deep fantasy nerd. I'm going way back. Um, and it's kind of like this. What I'd read, it felt like, oh, this is like the perfect like mix for me. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a book about fantasy, but it's also kind of literary fiction. Um, and I read it, and it was just like I fell into this world, and I, I and I fell in love with it when I when I read it. Um, and uh, I, I remember calling my agents and being like, "Is this thing available?" And they were like, "No." And I quickly realized that you know that that it was being developed uh, by uh, you know that it, it was by John Sarah at that point, um, who I didn't know. Uh, but I called uh, the covering agent at the studio, the one who covers that studio, the, the, the agency. Their agents are responsible for knowing about what's going on at different studios. And I so I reached out to the guy who is responsible for knowing about what's going on at that studio, and I said, "Look, like I'm a I'm a." upper level writer which just means i've been doing it for a long time i'm you know I, I i i do a lot of producing i do a lot of you know kind of everything uh john and sarah are obviously extremely experienced and i was like look they're not going to need someone at my level they won't need my help but like i love these books i love them dearly if, if there's ever a chance to get a meeting on this show i don't care if there's a job i just want to meet them um and uh I'm trying to say like after that I, I i had ripped through all the books before i had even like read a script or seen anything. Um, and I want to say about maybe six months passed, maybe a year. And then like, I got this, you know, uh, covered affairs went, uh, got canceled. And, uh, you know, your usual thing as a, as a Hollywood writer is, you, you know, you, you're, you go around whenever you're off of a show, you go around, you know, freelance, take a lot of meetings on other shows that are looking for people. Um, and I got a call from the the very same covering agent, who uh, uh, had been my 
my agent's old assistant was like, hey, so they want to meet you on Magicians. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and just never, these things never work out. Uh, so I, I was like, and I, had, I, I want to say it had been six months since I read the books. And I spent like three days like deep diving them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, the great thing for me was that I, this material was so, I, I had a personal relationship with it before. I just enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I loved reading it. And uh, so it was, you know, I, I, and I have, when I read stuff, I have a, I have a pretty good memory. Like it sticks with me. And, um, and, uh, like I can't, I, I forget people's names immediately when I meet them, but I remember like the place mm. on the page where something happened in a book. I remember like all of these moments from, and oh Levin's my God, a, that is so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has such a beautiful voice. It's something that like, I, yeah. uh, you know, and by beautiful, I mean, it's sharp and it's funny and it's weird and it's. You know, as whenever I can, this is the fun of adapting songs. That whenever I can rip it off, I like totally do. <laughs> um, I, I remember my my first episode. I'm jumping ahead, but like I, uh, my first episode, uh, which was episode one of one hundred three um, of season one. I think it's the consequences of advanced spellcasting. And I had put in a line where Quentin says that he's a he's a nothing mancer. He's a squat mancer. Oh yeah, and, which is right, right out of the books. And it got it got like there's a little thing in EW where they they pull quotes from like the week's shows that are fun and funny, and they pulled that one, and I was like, well, that's that's Lev, man. I just knew, <laughs> knew to steal from the right guy. Um, well, so maybe I can I can press you a little bit further. Like, what are the things that what are the things that you really loved about the book, and what drew you, what attracted you to it? Um, I mean, I was a big Harry Potter fan. I was a little older mm-hmm. when I read Harry Potter. Harry Potter came out when I was an adult, but I, you know, I grew up on Narnia. Um, and it's funny because I, ju- I just reread uh, the Narnia books with my youngest son, who's seven, uh, which was a, a like a trip. And, and I, I don't know if you've read them recently. Not recently. Um, you will gain a new appreciation for them because Lev is very like the books are uh, the magicians' books are a real. I mean, you obviously know all the Narnia stuff, but. There is there there is sort of a, a commentary on and a he plays with ideas from it and it's just it's a very uh, they they have a lot of connection in ways that mm. you know I, I I mean I remember hearing Lev talk about how you know how uh, Margot when she arrives in the Netherlands she you know she can't breathe she's like sick yeah yeah um, and how that that's taken straight out of the magician's nephew and they, this is his I mean he he's doing it deliberately. Uh, where they are, um, oh my God, Jadis, the White Queen, um, in that story, is brought into the wood between the worlds, which is like the the you know what C.S. Lewis's version of the Netherlands, uh, or, or I should say, Netherlands are Lev's version of the wood between the worlds, but he he sort okay. of set it in this like urban environment and made it completely constructed and you know built by people, built by magicians. Um, and uh, and the the you know the white queen gets sick and can't like exist in this world and he was talking about like the commentary about about like you know th- this is a, a female character who is like you know has who has is powerful and that there's something you know C.S. Lewis was all messed up with he had, he had great gender politics by today's standards <laughs> you know what I mean like he, he there were a lot of and by great I'm being sarcastic I mean he's, he's not uh, you know but but like. Lev was trying to. The thing I loved the most was how he was trying to take uh, modern characters, recognizable characters, um, you know, uh, people from like literary fiction, people who yeah. 
uh, seemed uh, real to us who make mistakes and who who can I can I curse on this? I don't know. If I, oh yeah, I, we're, oh, we're, yeah. We're, we have the explicit right, right. label on iTunes. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Because we curse a lot in the red room. <laughs> on the show. Um, I have a little post-it note on my on my desk that says "fucks." <laughs> um, and it's always a reminder before I hand in a script to like go through and count the number of fucks in the script and maybe like take out a couple of a can. <laughs> you know, they lose their they lose their power if you overuse them. That's true. So you really want them to be. Yeah, you know. Penny uses a lot of them. It's just like when you write his voice, that's kind of it just I don't know. Comes you just have you, so, so many fucks to give. So many fucks, yes. Yeah, Pe- uh, Penny says a lot of them. Alice probably says the fewest. So she's the character of oh, I'm always like, if she's going to say fuck, she has to really mean it. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, like she I, I had has re- so many fucks to give. She only has so many. Um, <laughs> she, I think she has more now <laughs> um, yes. after having been through what she's been through. Mm. Uh, I forget the original question. Did I, did I, did I come I back to the whole thing? I was asking you how you came to the book. So uh, there's something else I want to pick up on, or actually I'll probably let Rosalind pick up on, which is you were reading Donna Tartt and Love Grossman at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, we, the, the, I love the Secret History, which is uh, you yes. know a huge influence on. This is what you can see why I love the books. Yeah, right? of course. Like, I love. I mean, I, I the Secret History. I I bought it. I have like a first edition. I remember buying it when it first came out, like in hardback, and it was a beautiful edition. It was a beautiful book. It had this clear cover. It had this beautiful typeface. It was like a little longer than a usual book. And I grew up in a college town. I grew up in, in Ithaca, New York. So, like, I grew up, like, on a, like, very close to a college campus in this very idyllic place. And so something, you know, I, I really enjoyed reading college novels. And, and that was one that just, like, spoke to me. It reminded me of the town I grew up in, you know. Something I'd wanted to ask about is I, I thought maybe I'd caught a secret history reference in this episode with the line about Dionysus and like do you being a lot of undergrads with that or whatever. Uh, but maybe um, I just wanted that to be a reference. I don't know if that was intentional. That was uh, I, I, sometimes I, I don't know where all these things come from. I thought it would be funny <laughs> if Richard tried to. I was just trying to get to a moment where Richard, because you know our Richard is so different from the Richard of the books. Yeah. Uh, and so he's a little, you know, he's, he's square and I, and you know, Mackenzie's such a wonderful actor. I, it was one of those, like, I, I wanted to, I wanted him to like try to be like high minded, but it's like a professorial <laughs> pickup line. And I wanted her to <laughs> just call him on it. <laughs> so, you know, well, we know enjoyed that, that. It. Oh, good. We did. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's funny yeah. though. Cause I think we talk a lot about how, um, how similar in a lot of ways the like Donna Tartt's voice is to to Lev Grossman's, right. and I think like I mean I think realistically they're probably just both heavily influenced by Evelyn Waugh by Evelyn Waugh. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, for sure. But uh, it, it's just so perfect to me that you were reading those that those are the two books that you took with you <laughs> were <laughs> the Goldfinch and the Magician. Yeah, I, I mean that was <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes you sometimes you call it right. I had because you know. Part of the problem of, of being a writer in Hollywood is you never you have a lot to read that isn't yeah. like there aren't books, and I love reading books. I grew up as a reader. I mean, I was a uh, I can't. I mean, that, that was one of the reasons I became a writer was I loved reading so much. My family are all writers of different types, um, and 
you know, like I really had wanted a good book experience. And I, you know, when I read The Goldfinch, I was having that like perfect book experience I hadn't had in so long. Um, and I was sort of had, I had this moment afterwards where I was like, ah, like anything I read afterwards is going to be a disappointment. And it was the exact opposite. It was like one of those, uh. I, I had an experience kind of like, I feel like Lev talks about when he wrote it, which is that I, I you know, I, you know, my grandfather was an English professor. I grew up reading a lot of like literary books, but I loved like, I loved comics. I loved genre books. I loved fantasy and sci-fi and um, I loved that he was mixing the two, and you know, I, I had you know, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is another big influence on the book, was a, a big favorite of mine, and I, I, I loved that he, uh, you know, that look, you don't one is not stooping to do the other. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I choose to work in this genre because I love it, and I think it, it's it's great, and I think you can tell things that that you know about the world that you couldn't do in other genres. So. I reject the idea that it's somehow lesser, and I love that he was writing in this literary mode. You know, it's, and then yeah. also his prose is just great. Oh my god, you know, so fantastic! Him and I—I I, I mean, I—it's I, funny. I, you read criticisms of Donna Tart, but like both of them have a—you're occasionally reading, and they just have this beautiful turn of phrase, and you just have to pause for a moment and enjoy it. Lev is particularly Ugh. witty. Oh you know? yeah, I, there's. I, I mean, I. Love, 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 like his jokes, and I try very hard to bring that uh, spirit and tone to the to the show when I write it. You know, Which, I mean, that's what we talk about a lot in the room. Just um, keeping it alive. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rosalind. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my stupid husband. He likes to call her by the wrong name. So. Oh yes, lanyard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, um, we are, we're just interested in knowing what it's like adapting a book that you care so much about and particularly working with the actual author of it. Like what, how does that collaboration? Well, I mean, go? I came in, I mean, I came in after the pilot was done. I mean, the, the, I guess to end the other story was I, I went in to meet, uh, with John and Sarah and I had like prepped for three days of like reading, rereading the books and just, you know, talked about my favorite stuff and had a real facility with an understanding of the books and love for the books that I think really showed um and you know like I, they that was why they ended up hiring me and i've since then have been able to like you know work very closely with them on the whole thing like they worked with lev uh, a, a bit more closely on the pilot and then you know have have maintained their relationship with him over the over time you know partly because like look lev is a yeah, you will, this, this is not. This will not come as a surprise to say that Lev is a very smart guy. Lev yeah. understands and loves genre as deeply as we do uh, on the show. And you know, his 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 notes are like notes we really take seriously because you know he knows. It's funny, and I will say this: he's not very proprietary in the sense that he's like. I think he lived. I mean, I, I can't speak for Lev, but my sense is he like live you know for 10 years with these characters and they were very important to him and he and he and he told a lot of personal stories through them and by the time he was done he was done and i think they still mean something to him but he was sort of willing to you know let this thing be this thing um you know let let the show be the show and and you know they're not from a look from a the standpoint of my my job the the job of being like a uh, a day-to-day -day writer on a, on a television series, it 
you know, these are not a straight adaptation. It's hard to, mm-hmm. you know, even like Game yeah. of Thrones, is a, is, which involves a great deal of adaptation, is not is, is more of a straight adaptation than, yeah, than our show is. Um, you know, we also can't compete with a lot of shows like, like HBO shows for budgetarily. So, you know, we yeah. try to be clever about it. And I think you know, the, the John and Sarah brought uh, a really smart, a couple of like, things that they, I mean, like when I read the pilot, the thing that I particularly was taken by was I loved how they told the story of Julia and the story of Quentin contemporaneously. Cause they happen at the same time, like, you know, in, 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 they happen at the same time in the, you know, uh, timeline wise, but mm-hmm. you learn about one ever uh, after the other. Lev does this, I love how he, he sort of, each book is like a rewrite of the previous book. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like he goes back and shows you, oh, wait, uh, you know what? I, I thought about what went on and here's a deepening of that. And, oh, wait, I thought about what we showed you before. And here's a surprise because I, yeah. I've thought about the characters around it and here's the, you know, like, a, you know, he keeps kind of opening it up and opening it up. And, you know, uh, that's one of the fun things about the book is I feel like he's got this, uh, you know, willingness to show everyone a little ugly and a deep sympathy for everyone. You know, and I so I love that those two stories were told side by side. It seemed like a, that seemed like the the most interesting way to because I the the Julia story in in book two is 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 probably my favorite thing in all the books, like without yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, like it, it yeah. was very, I, you know, you read a lot of I I read a lot of things good and bad about the books in you know I read a lot I read a lot of you know uh, reviews I read a lot of stuff online. Um, the second book, I think, is probably harder to get into for some people, but I found it to be some of the most rewarding stuff. Uh, and it just be, for that alone, I mean, I loved, uh, I loved um, that story, and I, I, I just because it was a, just a different take on magic and a different take on, you know, he talks about like, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name, Dudley Dursley, is it from from uh, from Harry Potter? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and how. You know, he thought about him and like, what about this kid who is magic adjacent but gets no, <laughs> you know? And, and I loved, you know, the, the, his first book is so much about. It has some of that secret history quality where it's so much about like, what is it like to go away to a place where you are, you are told you're special. And you see that you are you are among contemporaries who uh, are m- more special than anyone that you could possibly imagine. And then you are you leave this place and like, what the fuck is your life then? Yeah, you know, it's a sort and, of subversion of a chosen one narrative. A hundred percent. And then the but the but it's more like it's 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 that it's the nature of growing up. There's a moment yeah. when you get out of college where you're just Absolutely. like, now what? I don't, I, you know, and he's telling this story through magic. I mean, I, the other thing I, I mean, the, the theme of like that, that, you know, even though you have magic, it doesn't change who you are and it can't make you happy. Yeah. Like you're, if you're depressed, you're depressed. And that, that to me is, that's where the book is. I, I that's what makes it extra special. Cause like, we're trying to, this is where it's a great pleasure to adapt because you, um, you know, when you work in genre, there are a lot of expectations, and you know, you you you're you're doing a lot of. Um, there's some familiar tropes that you tend to fall back on, and one of the great things about the fact that we're coming from these books is that we, like, very like from the very get go, from like the kernel of the show, need to are, are trying very hard to subvert those ideas or comment on those ideas. Um, you know, we can't 
just do the straight. You know, I, I worked on this show Charm for many years, and Charm is in many ways like a much more straightforward TV show where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the you knew what happened at the end of Act One, you knew what happened at the end of Act Three, uh, you knew kind of the tone of the demons, and you know, we would find little uh, changes in it. But on this show, Magicians, we really get. <clears throat> to do like interesting, challenging uh, uh, character stuff that I, you wouldn't get to do on network. You know, you you really like we get to, <clears throat> you know, the, the characters don't have to be good to each other. They can make terrible, terrible mistakes. They could like <laughs> I, I as a result, I sort of feel it, it has the 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 characters have more of a ring of truth to them than than um, than you get from from a typical show like this. Um, they're less probably heroic but i also think they're more true and that and that's that's and relatable, a, I don't know, and relatable exactly I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I find that so <laughs> so <clears throat> what do you how do you guys as as uh, as women reading the books how do you what what who who like i'm i'm curious like quentin is not the uh you know he's a he's a very well-meaning difficult uh not always likable guy and it's not until we, you know, like, and and Alice in the first book is is you know, recognizes that she's the girlfriend of this character, and you know, <laughs> one of the fun things about the show is that she. Well, I mean, I think of the scene when they're in the in the in Ember's tomb, and you know, she's she's sort of they're on this journey, and she sort of has agreed to come along on this guy's journey because of what it meant yeah. to him, yeah. and she ends up sacrificing her own life, um, and so and and then you know, I feel like let time to ruminate on what that mean and like bring it back in the third book um I'm, and i mean i really love all of the female characters uh, i yeah. think they did a great job writing complex real characters and yeah I mean, some of them are all i mean they're all sort of shitty at times but that's they what are, makes them real i could right. read i could read his julia forever like the, oh, the yeah. language that he uses yeah. and she's so Just sharp the endless and, suffering of julia <laughs> But like the way he 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 writes her in such a uh, like a pitiless way, like he's very like he's, oh, yeah. and, and it's funny, like it's weirdly darkly funny where he's like, you know, the he's it's 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 you know third person past tense, but it has this like you know it, it's imbued with the voice of her, yeah. and it has uh, there are lines where he'll be like, okay, you know, he just okay, yeah, so I went to a hospital for a little, he, she went to a hospital for a little while, like that was bound to happen, so things like that were yeah, gloss over major suffering and talking yeah, about all the, 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 the like sharpness of her coping mechanisms mm-hmm. is in every oh. line it's really great <laughs> it's it's so great I'm, I'm still haunted by the 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 moment when the elliot and janet describe of how that what they see her through the window oh, yeah. um oh, you burning know, like through, burning but well like casting some kind of complex spell and like then stepping into the fire yeah. and like falling down and crying and he says something along the lines of I'm not gonna remember the exact quote but it's like like she lost something terrible and she couldn't find it she couldn't get it back and I mean I just that was a real uh, you know I, I th- that book is a I actually think is is beautifully structured and a really interesting I mean it subverts the the you know the traditional quest narrative and you know it's a it, the, you know, I, I really enjoy that one a lot um, John is a particularly fan of the third book which I also like but he mm. loves the heist I think right, yeah, I think course. Rosalind isn't your favorite the second and mine is the third so there you go we got some. yeah I do love the second a lot yeah. um, but something I wanted to ask actually that pertains mostly to the first two books and especially Julia's story um, mm-hmm. is that there's all these themes that obviously don't really translate well to television like discipline and hard work and 
boredom and isolation and mm -hmm. how do you approach adapting that kind of story to make it entertaining for a TV audience? Well, I mean, it's funny. I feel like that came up a lot more season one and I, and, and, you know, the, the, the mode that our show is in is a much like faster mode. I mean, we're telling mm -hmm. ensemble stories, which is different mm -hmm. um, from the book. I, the, the way that we, usually approach it in the room is, uh, you know, I, I, like the, the books are like the touchstone and as much as possible, we, we try to like, we have a board on the wall of like things that we have, that we still want to pull from the books. So like we try to create a show where people from people who read the books will be able to enjoy it on a deeper level, but also will be surprised. You know what I mean? And the people yeah. who don't read the books will be able to enjoy it and, and follow it you know, without really, you know, and it won't, and it won't change their experience. Um, so the, a lot of that, you know, they, they go through time pretty, pretty, you know, fast in that first book. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the so five fast. years of break bills and mm -hmm. yeah. And then they're all the time in New York and then, you know, and they, it spans a lot of time. And that was not something that, you know, we could do as easily on television. Um, like part of me wishes that we could have done, you know, uh, the Break Bill South over multiple episodes, but like that's just sort of not mm -hmm. how TV works, um, you know? And so the challenge then became like, how do we tell this story? Because like they were Break Bill South for like six months. Um, mm -hmm. And how do we tell this story uh, in a way that, that, you know, is compelling um, and, and, but, but like, but also is true to the, you know, what he's, what he was trying to show in that, in that part of the book, which is that like, some things aren't fun. Like some things are painful yeah. <laughs> and they just have to be like, what is, what does Mayakovsky say about like, I, you know, your time here will not be fun. Like I suggest you get used to it. Like, don't try to make it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I like remember that. his exact words, but like, yeah. So, um, you know, you instead of like going for you know the the tone and spirit, you usually try to take a moment and see if you can use it to express like a, a, a scene, like a, a find a, a way to express it dramatically, like between two people. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like the the episode we're talking about now, uh, uh, twelve is such an interesting one because it was a real it's a real episode. Where I feel like we it's. It has a lot from the books and then it has nothing from the books. Like we really kind of branch out from the books here, but it also has one of my favorite, you know, like the introduction of Josh Oberman <laughs> yes. is one of my favorite moments. I mean, that was one of those, like Josh wasn't in the pilot and there's a bunch of other storylines that they had kind of uh, pulled into the pilot, like the missing class at break bills, et cetera. And he was a guy who always in the room, we'd be like, you know, is it time? Is it time for Josh? Like, can we can we can we fit Josh in? Is Josh good here? Yeah. And, to be perfectly we honest, when I first saw the cast before the show started, I was like, uh, "Where the fuck is Josh?" <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people were like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's He's okay. important. Yeah. No, Josh is great. I love Josh. Um, I had just I I just did I try to read the books uh, or at least one of them like once a year, and I had re I'd read through them again. Season one, and I just reread The Magician King, and I was particularly reading all the stuff about Josh and Venice. Um, yes. And it's funny; it's really interesting because having written that character for a while, and like Josh kind of goes away from uh, our, our version of Josh goes away from him, the character in the book somewhat. 
but I was kind of impressed by. It. I was like, oh, actually, we kind of, you know, he. I feel like we 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 kept a lot of his voice, you know. And I, I'm a, I I will give a lot of credit to um, my co-writer on the episode, Leah Fong, who was really. Uh, I think like had a had a real sense for Josh. She wrote that line that I love about the, um, you know, uh, this this guy Donnie uh, like had sex with a talking horse, but animals can in killery can give consent. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, that was a good line. You know, but we were still all kind of squicked out. Yeah, I feel, like yeah. I feel like that was her. I feel like that was her line. I may be misattributing, but I feel like it was. Uh, and I, I just I just she nailed the voice in a very very funny way. Um, we Sarah had had the idea that he was a naturalist, which I thought was really interesting, which is different because, you know, he was a physical kid in the books, but like we had this notion that like, well, what are the naturalists like? Maybe we should, you know, this is, this is like everyone going like, well, what I was talking the other day with a bunch of people who were like, uh, a friend of mine was lamenting that she was, uh, uh, that she had, you know, done one of those online quiz quizzes and she was a Hufflepuff. Um, <laughs> And she was like, I'm a Hufflepuff. They're like the, the lamest. Like, who's a Hufflepuff? No, Who cares about Hufflepuffs, Hufflepuffs are great. Hufflepuffs are great. Oh, and I was, like, I was like, you guys are the best. You guys are the best partiers. You guys are great hosts. Everyone wants to hang out at Hufflepuff. Like, that's the place to be. And she's like, really? You know, which is funny because she's a, a good, uh, a, a, you know, a great cook, dinner parties, et cetera. Their, um, their den is right next to the kitchen. They've got to know their food. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, in that way, Josh, making Josh a naturalist made him more of, a like, this interesting social animal, um, mm. you know. And also because he, he's such uh, a different energy from everyone, so it was really fun to bring him in. I, I mean, everyone was so so dark and – I don't yeah. know, it's not everyone's dark, but, like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of sadness and jo- injecting Josh into it. He was a very different tone. It was really – it was really kind of just, you know, gave it a – gave it some extra spice that – I love I what really you said enjoyed. about him being social because that, I think that like that's one of my favorite lines in the book is the one in um, is that in book two where they're in um, they're in the uh, Plover Estate or the, not the Plover Estate the um, Chatwin yeah, Estate the, the, the Chatwin Estate right yeah, there's that line where the, the he and Poppy there. are there yeah that genuinely social people never cease to amaze him something about like an unending <laughs> font of conversational topics or <laughs> exactly yeah i mean josh and poppy man they, they 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 know how to handle themselves at a party are we gonna get poppy jo- what's that <laughs> are we gonna get poppy ever uh what's that <laughs> <laughs> all right okay i see how it is <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, i would love to get poppy in there uh, i can't promise anything <laughs> fair enough um, so th- the other thread that I wanted to pick up from what you said is that, um, so when, when we talked to Olivia, one of the things she mentioned was that Jason kept pitching like a whole episode of the geese flying to Antarctica where he just like <laughs> did a voiceover of the book. Sounds <laughs> awesome, I know. but not I mean, like, for TV at not, all. not producible. I, yeah. I, I love the idea. I mean, right. yeah, I, I, I would love to do a whole episode of the geese. I don't know that anyone would watch it. Uh, uh but, I know a bunch of people um, who would watch it. Do they would? I would, I would, I would watch <laughs> that. I think that uh, um, they're. I know they're doing a comic book adaptation of the books, and I would. I would love to person. I think uh, (laughs) Boom Studios is going to do a comic book adaptation of the books. I believe that's what's going on. Oh my (laughs) god! I heard about this. Um, I thought I read it somewhere. Oh my god! uh, uh, One of the things that I think is very cool about that is that you can probably do a version of that in comic form. That's a lot truer to the specific narrative of of the books, which is really cool. Oh. Um, while also being like visual and interesting, 
um, you know, and not have to. There's things with like again, television is a great medium for a lot of reasons, but like, uh, um, you know, uh, it would be very hard to do an entire episode with geese on our budget. That's all yeah, I can that's say. <laughs> uh, as much as I would think that would be uh, that would be a very. I mean, I love that journey. Yeah, I love I love like the the way he describes the transformations are so cool and like that's that's one of those things where like the way he describes like how people feel about magic how mm-hmm. magic uh, like how it tastes how it, how you sense it how like the 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 you know how like he has the the like how the geese memories stick with him or how he goes from being. Uh, like a person to having like this this smaller brain that can concentrate yeah. on very certain specific things, but can also see like drafts in the air and can read yeah. them almost like the lines. I mean, I love I love that. And that's one of those things where like it's it's harder to do that in TV than you'd like. Mm. Um, but you know, it's there are other things where TV is super strong. I mean, you can you can. I mean, what TV does really well is two people in a room having like an emotional experience, mm-hmm. um, and that and that is like a I think a you know a crucial part of the books. And also, TV is very like to to me like so much of the wit of the books is in the dialogue, and we're able to really like kind of mine that for to to create the dynamic between people. Um, the one area like I that I feel like I, I really like what we've done with our penny. You know, yeah. I, I, that that like John and Sarah were extremely smart in casting, and like I, I just that character has become so much more useful and like interesting and and dramatic and someone mm-hmm. we can put in scenes with other people than the Penny in in the books who is who is is great but like is just a you know he's a little like flat. A, he's well, no, I, he's, I just feel he's more like a he's like a strange misfit who doesn't connect with people and is like, and is kind of arrogant and arrogant dickwad like <laughs> most of the time, you know, I like the, the, who was it? Isn't, is, is uh, Alice punches him in the face at one point, as I recall in the book three, is that right? Is it Alice or Poppy punches it's him? Pop- like, but oh, he has actually, a great moment. He has it's a great a moment. With, he has the moment with Poppy in the second book where he's just in, like just an unending dick, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and, and they managed to like, they managed to, to get free of him. Um, and like, I enjoy that character. There was a, some, somewhere online, someone did this great illustration of like, of uh, three of the characters in front of uh, the clock tree mm. and Petty's got his mohawk. And I really like the, I love that image of the mohawk, but like, I feel like, you know, Arjun is a real, fine for that character and I, and, and, yeah. and it would be it is much easier to craft stories around, um, than, uh, than the other penny would be. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of like, we have a lot of, there's a lot like when you, when you're saying it, like, you know, Lev writes about things like boredom and repetition and things that take, I mean, like, you know, that sequence where they're in the, where the birds, you know, is, is long and beautiful and really interesting. Um, but much harder to dramatize, and like the, mm. the just the you know like I the you working had just having come from Canada just recently and working with animals is not like the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> um, and and if you want to do it all CG, you know you have to have a ton of money to spend on that. Um, you know, and like w- the philosophy of this show from the very beginning has been like let's use it sparingly, let's have the world look like our world. Let's not have magic that is 
necessarily flashy. Let's have it feel like it's organic and comes from things that you see and recognize in the world around you. You know, there's time for bright lights and and spells, but it's you know we have a we have a really different look from from say Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and as much as possible, like in season one, we would try to do like magic appears on a cut because like it we don't you know like we we don't necessarily have to see it. So we would rather go. We'd rather see it once and have it be special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think of uh, Emily Greenstreet's face. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's, it's so much more horrifying when you read it than seeing it. Yeah. So we tried very hard to find a thing. Uh, that was one of those effects that we worked on for so long. Um, and like what we ended up landing on was, you know, you just see like a little bit of it, just enough to make mm-hmm. you go like, Ugh, you know, and that like that, that, you know, that's one of those ones where it's like the, the effect itself is, is more special for, you know, not seeing all of it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's always key in like horror movies, particularly if you show too much, it just, it loses everything. For sure. And, and Sarah comes from a bad, is is a great lover of horror and has a lot and is, and is really smart about doing those, you know, breaking those kind of stories. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I feel like the stuff that I've done on the show, I mean, I, it's funny. I've done like, I, I've, uh, I, I, you know, I wrote episode three last year where I killed a lot of people. So that was sort of, um, <laughs> you know, but, but I also wrote this one season one that was very, um, the, the, the big sex episode homecoming, which, uh, right. you know, was, was, which is a, a funny episode. Um, and it was one of those like season ones where we were trying to explore the, how, far tonally we can go with the show you know because it comes right off of episode nine which is like just one of the darkest hours our, our we've ever done yeah. you know the the plover house episode where we learned the truth yeah. about about plover and it was one of those like it was also sort of the last opportunity because we were about to i you know we knew that we were about to have to head off to fillery and like in episode 11 they learned battle magic and i think they're all going to die and then it was one of these like you know, what if we, we need to do a relationship episode, Yeah. you know, uh, and one that sort of talks about them. So like in sort of, I guess the what's become the fashion of the show is it like, you know, to, is to, is to, uh, we found a way to tell that story while, while running, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we're actually about 40 minutes in and I don't think we've gotten to the episode. So we have a couple Let's other, talk about <laughs> we, we do have a couple other questions, but we can save them for the end. So if there's time and if you have to go, then that's sure. cool too. No, no, I'm good. Um, <laughs> so, oh, here's, here's my line. Okay. We'd better get into the episode before we get too carried away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I, like, I like talking about those books. <laughs> uh, we really like it too. So as long as you don't have to like run off somewhere in 10 minutes, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Um, so, uh, this is, this is one of my absolute favorite episodes and Rosalind, I know you were saying it was a turning point for you. So I wanted to start just by, by asking Rosalind about that. Like, um, it is, I mean, I went into the show considering it like fanfic of the books in a way. Yeah. Um, Fanfic with a budget. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And sometimes that's how we we joke that that's what the show is. Yeah. This is the episode where you kind of cop to that and you sneak in (laughs) that little reference about Janet in the library. And it's like, it's just kind of the theme of alternate realities really echoes throughout the whole episode in a way that I appreciate. Like they get into the, they realize it's the 40th repetition of this ordeal and they're, like time's just been dicking with them over and over. <laughs> right. 
as he says ish <laughs> no 100 percent. well uh, and that's such uh, a brilliant way to go with it too right like I, I feel like when you're talking about it being a turning point i know that a lot of us uh in the early episodes who are really hardcore book fans were like kind of skeptical like where is sure. this going oh what's it gonna oh God, do what are they doing <laughs> <laughs> um and I, I was i was most nervous in the first episode because it just goes through so much plot from the books so quickly and i was just sitting there yeah. like oh my god what are they gonna like what's left <laughs> what's gonna happen and i think re- i think casting it as an au really helps you make that like cognitive leap to mm-hmm. this is this is the same but it's also something else yeah you it also you have to you you have to learn uh uh to accept these people as the people because you may have had a picture mm. of them in your head you know that that is slightly different, but I feel like that they did an exceptional job casting. Some of the people look exactly like I pictured them, and some mm. of them are very, very different. But they've found a way to inhabit them in this way that is very, very, you know, true to the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, the, 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 we 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 go. I mean, there, there's. I'm trying to think of. I'm looking back and I'm thinking like, was there anything that is other than like Hoberman's voice? Was there anything that was specifically out of the books in this one? Because like we throw Quentin and Julia together in this mm-hmm. big way, and we had made the decision, you know, because we were going to tell the story of of what happened to the free traders. Um, I think this is the one where isn't this the one where we introduced the free traders? I'm suddenly having the no, I'm they were around a, for no, a couple no, that's episodes. ten. That was yeah. ten because I, I wrote that scene too, and I was I was like that was one of those ones where like I wish we had I wish we had more time, but we you know sometimes you don't. To um, to live with those characters and and Julia, um, but in the book it's funny because her relationship with them would would not make for good television until she gets to to <laughs> right. She's like m- typing to France. <laughs> yeah, she's typing at them for a long time before she even and then you know goes on this whole journey before she even realizes that they're magicians. Those exciting it, chat room scenes. <laughs> well, I tried very hard to like. That was one where I remember trying. I was like, we need to, we need to give a flavor of this. So like, yeah, the, the you little know, bit the, of the. Yeah, I remember she used, she liked to use the old. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Like, BBS. You're, thank you. You're uh, for her for her yes for her for like the for her her uh, for the chat program and. Um, like I, I don't know anything about this stuff, so I'm gonna use the wrong words. But I, I wanted it to look like, like my old Apple Two C. You know what I mean? Like the green, because I felt like that was what she, that's what she was looking for—that green color, like something that reminded her of. And she's also like a deep. She's got like there's all this deep programming stuff to her uh-huh. that, that that Lev throws in, um, that you know we try to touch on. I feel like our character is a little different, you know, and so some of that stuff would not. It wouldn't work in her in her coming out of her mouth as well, mm-hmm. but like yeah, like I wish we had more time for the free traders, but we didn't. Um, and you know, one of the challenges there was that like after what happened to her, how do we send her to how do we send her to Fillory? Like she's, I mean, it's it's horrible. Like you can you imagine? I mean, that's it's funny. One of those that's one of those scenes where I, I read that and thought like mm-hmm. this would be an incredible. This is like. I think this is for like people who Game of Thrones fans reading the Red Wedding and being like, <laughs> "This is the, this is a, this is the scene that draws you in." Not because it's not because you love it, but because it's so intensely painful and true and like dark and fucked up. And it has all that drama. I mean, that, yeah, it has all that drama and like his his you know the the I, I uh, 
I remember having a long talk with Sarah about this because, like, uh, you know, I loved it in the books that it was a this giant fox, mm-hmm. not not something that we would have been able to necessarily do. And Sarah had this really smart perspective on it that I have a lot of respect for, which is that like she that this is that is a scene. I mean, it's a scene about murder. It's a scene about a lot of things, but it's a scene at the heart of which is a rape, and the rape is a violation that is by like we shouldn't do anything to make it abstract. Yeah, do you know what I mean? We're telling mm-hmm. a story about uh, uh, something that a, a man does to a woman, and we it's 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 awful, and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't make it look like a fantasy here because mm-hmm. this is what it is. Um, and I, I thought that was really smart. So, like, the challenge was we were like, how do we do a scene with Julia if she's recovering from all this? And, you know, I don't remember where when we were working in the room how we came up with the idea of, like, you know, splitting off her memories so that it, so that we don't do the reveal until later. Because we knew also, like, book readers would be like, what? The, what's the fuck's going on? This is mm-hmm. did they change that? Like that can't be right. Like she never meets Our Lady Underground. She never <laughs> like so like that was part of the fun of it for this was to have people be like I don't know what they're doing. Oh yeah, I totally have look like my yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah. So like that's you know that's fun to plan ahead for that. Um, and then there's other like that the clip that you played. I remember the director mm. uh, guy B. That was probably one of my. It's, no, it's definitely like one of my favorite shots we've ever done on the show, and it was certainly my favorite shot in the episode, where they're lying underneath yeah, and they're both, uh, you know, sitting in opposite directions. We we mirrored that in in uh, the end of season two with the with the two dead gods, um, Ember. Oh Umber. shit, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. There's another. They're, they're they're lying in the same position. Yeah. When they when they when they it wasn't like we were saying anything. We just I just it's a beautiful <laughs> shot. I just love the two of them because it was such a. Like we never get to experience them as friends or mm-hmm. understand some of their relationship, and like to watch them come together, and like that particular moment, that prop. I mean, it's, I guess it's not a prop; it's a, it's a set dressing. That table with the fillery uh, a map underneath it was a, one of my favorite things that we had on the set. Uh, it was mm-hmm. super fun to to uh, you know to. It was super. We would take photos of it, and I feel I feel like I I, I post a lot of photos from the set uh, usually when the show airs, and I posted a lot of photos of that. Mm. Uh, but like, there's a great that you know we got to show something that you don't show in the books, but that's implied, which is that there's a this beauty in their friendship that is you know goes way way yeah. back, and I really you know Jason and Stella, who who uh, you know play uh, Julia and Quentin respectively are, are, um, I give, it's really on them. They did a, they, they just did a beautiful job in that scene. So that's actually, um, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Cause I, I mean, you're touching on what is, I, I mean, I love that in this episode. And I think so many people did that. You really get to see them as friends when you haven't so far. Yeah. Um, they've yeah. always sort of been, I mean, they're, they're like a, t- a team here. And, um, I like, I sort of had this question about like, did you picture it in your head the way that it came alive, or did like Jason and Stella bring in anything that surprised you? And uh, I remember when Stella hugged Jason, she said something like, "You still smell the same," mm. uh, and that was just a that was just a thing that came out of her. It wasn't scripted. Oh. Um, and the director was like, "Oh, I love that." It's <laughs> great. And yeah. I was like, "It was great." So we we kept it because uh, it just felt very you know true to the moment. She did a really good job of inhabiting that. 
person, um, you know, who seems like she's kind of, uh, she's, she's happy in this episode. It's a rare, happy episode for her. Uh, and then we find out, of course, it's, it's all bullshit, but you I know, think that's like why that it's, was, it's fun to see. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it's so heartbreaking to watch her in this episode. If you've read the books, cause yeah. I mean, even as we're wondering like what's going to happen, what's changed, like you, you, we know, we know you can't like just leave that away. Right. Like there is going to be yeah. a major trauma for Julia. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think there's this, right, like, uh, it's that same as that moment in the book when she, so, that it's the same, like, night before she, you know, she sleeps with Pouncey, who I guess is sort of, like, combined mm-hmm. with Richard, but also <laughs> separate, um, and uh, she, you know, realizes that these people are all her friends, and, like, that's what is fulfilling, and she doesn't need this extra bit, mm-hmm. and in the show, in Julia's, or, sorry, in Stella's performance, you can really see all that hesitation and that, like, realization i noticed at one point just like the way she was breathing was different when she's in that room and like <laughs> it's that's, incredible that's stella that's really stella i mean she's <laughs> she really inhabited it there um you know there was also the fun of like when you know it's a little bit of a scene from a different kind of show but i really it was fun to write the the scene where they go to the they find the time bridges mm. um you know and that was like a running we had a running the the thing about the um plan to go kill Hitler is like a running joke in like genre writers rooms. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that they find the time bridge and the time, like a bunch of students had a plan to go back and try to kill Hitler. And of course they failed and <laughs> it never worked. These things never work, but that it happened to have this, like, you know, the date worked out. So like, that was one of those ones where we were like, there's, there's, there's a good uh, joke that can help bridge where we, where we want to, you know, where we, where we are and where we want to go. You know what I mean? That that is not because uh, you need to. You want to see them get there, and yeah. you don't want it to be easy, and you want it to surprise you. And so, like that's ultimately what we came to. Because like it's you know, travel to Fillory for us on the show, and I shouldn't speak for episodes for season three because things are very very different. In season three. Oh, um, oh, how are they different? Well, there's no magic. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, this much you know, right? Yeah, we know that much, except for there's a little <laughs> you know that magic. Much. Julia has a little. A, there is a little magic. And I should also say that, that you know, the show is called The Magician. There's, there's magic. You're going <laughs> to, you know, but, but there is no magic. Like, there's no magic from the Wellspring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wellspring magic is gone, and everyone's trying to figure out what to do. Um, the, uh, I'm forgetting what I was talking about. I'm uh, sorry. The, no, no, no. It's okay. I'm. I'm. Uh, there was a point I was going to make, but uh, it's lost, and it'll come to me. Um. Oh, so so you know the. Nope, nope. I lost it. Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next question? <laughs> well, I I guess a lot of people on the internet um, struggle <laughs> to see Julia as a sympathetic character for reasons I don't understand, but. Um, what because would you she, say to those because people? she, because of the the way season one ended, or uh, because of how she. I mean, I guess in season one she's in a she's in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I would say that like the one of the joys of the magicians is that people are not always sympathetic. I mean, yeah. Quentin Quentin is our, a hero, but is can also be like a incredibly selfish, and you know, uh, Elliot in, in this 
particular episode that we're talking about. Oh yeah, he's Hell, it's probably like the mess. It's the, it's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, yeah, it's like his probably his low point for the series. I mean, he's yeah. really like you know. I could see that. Um, still one of my favorite when, when he. When he turns to, to look at Margo and Margo gets the big anime eyes. Uh-huh. One of my favorite, one of my favorite Psychedelic moments. carrot eyes. Yes, exactly. Acid carrots. One of my favorite moments. In the, that, was, that was a good touch. Um, but I guess my point is that, like, yeah, okay, she's not sympathetic now, um, but she is later. I mean, how do you not, like, how do you not feel for her after what she goes through with, uh, with the free traders? You know. she was pitted against the physical kids at the beginning and people have trouble getting over their first impressions. Or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, this is one of those things where I think people are used to being told who's a, who's a black hat and who's a white hat. Exactly. In a, in a, in, you know, and, and it's not, you know, you know, there's some good people in Slytherin, you know, there are some good people in Slytherin. <laughs> That's what I hear. So, and there's some bad people in Gryffindor, man. So That's I, that, awesome. that, the, like I think we're like that's the she, she wouldn't be interesting to write if she was wholly sympathetic. And I, it's funny because I think season one, I mean, she gets shut out. She's like in the cold. She has to deal with some horrible right. stuff, and like she has a, you know, like she's just she's struggling to get what she can, and then she just gets punished for it and punished mm-hmm. and punished. And like she, you know, why should this smart, capable woman? Like it's totally random, completely well, unfair. Nobody gives her any breaks. Yeah, no one gives her any breaks. That that you know, she's as capable as Quentin, if not more so. Uh, that's a, I, I love that element of the books where like mm. there is a thing about magic that just isn't fair. Like after all, it's incredibly hard, incredibly painful, and difficult. Requires the people of the of the you know like the who 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 come who are who are the smartest, most capable, and, and like all of these disciplines. And then after all that, some people just don't have it. It's just yeah. not fucking fair but on the other hand i love that um especially this episode is where julia is told that there was a reason she didn't get into break bills and it actually like saves the day unlike yeah where it's just no that's she got distracted and bombed the test we were able to i know we were able to kind of bring that around in a cool way i mean that that was uh part of that is like the, the the time loop thing in the books is almost like an I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but it's like a, it's a it, it isn't dwelled on a great deal. Like you don't mm-hmm. think about it a lot, and and you know it's one of the things we we've come back to it a bunch of times in the show up until now. Um, you know, one of one of my favorite moments that we've done in the show. I, I there was an episode I wrote season two um, with the writer uh, Noga Landau, where we meet Alice Twenty Three. You know, mm-hmm. who comes from this alternate timeline, and like the, the, it was one of those like, I, I, you know, we get so much more story out of talking about it, thinking about it, and 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 like uh, expanding on the ideas of what could have happened in those timelines. Um, in the very next episode from the one we're talking about, you know, we do the, they do the uh, the probability spell, mm-hmm. where you know they 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 see all the ways and everything is fucked. Um, and how they really have no choice but to but to go try to go to Fillory. That that um, other episode you're talking about, the one in season two, that's also one where you you get more of this this story, Julia's story that we missed, right? Like you see her get her discipline and uh, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I know that was like a 
the way we work on the show, I mean, we break our stories very, I want to say more loosely than some other TV shows because, like, John and Sarah are big on, um, you know, there's some, when you leave a little more for the script, sometimes you find, you discover things. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing I, I discovered while I was writing. And I didn't, I was, I, it was not in the original break when I was writing. And I was like, you know what? I think it would be cool if we started with, you know, seeing this other side of her. And then, like, I remember the. Other the <laughs> Yeah. No, actually, you know what? I'm I'm wrong. It was we had done a I had done we had talked about it in the room and then the moment that I discovered in writing was like this this weird like kind of a uh, um a kaleidoscope shot where we see all of mm-hmm. these things and then like end up on with her. You know, and it's hard because like you 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 uh it's not a scene where there's any there's no dramatic tension whatsoever. But like, you know, cuz it's it's a but but I but the the moment that I love and that is where we cut from happy Julia to shadeless Julia in the dungeon. And it's just like, that's a, that moment is a credit to Stella for how she's able to do the two different characters. Um, but, but back to this one, I mean, the time loops are, are, you know, like time loops are, it was super fun to that whole scene with fog. That's like, I, I think that's one of those ones where it's, a, <sighs> there's so much, uh, great fan stuff in there because we explain so much. Yeah. That, that was the um, other candidate for the, for the opening clip, except for it's like three and a half minutes long. So it's yeah. Yeah. Lo- and believe so me, it was like, it was even, it was, it was, a, it was, that's one of those ones where I feel like it was a four page scene. It, we mm. actually cut one of my favorite lines. Cause just for time where he, he is like fog turns to Quentin and says, I am not your Dumbledore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, which we should really know. Who knows? It might show up in an episode in the future. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like the, 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 I just love that scene because he's not. It's such a, the opposite of the. That's one of those great things from the books we could rip where it's not specifically in the book. You know, like there's no scene like that exactly, yeah. but there are so many scenes like that. You know, the, he's not, the adults are not mentors. Adults have their own fucking problems. Adults are. You know, like they're 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 like grown up fuck up versions of you know what our people yeah. are, and like that's who he is. He's like, look, like I don't, you know, you're they're just spe- older secret- children. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, that's that that's part of the fun of it. Um, uh, it's funny that I think that the Janet line that you talk about was another one of those things that I just kind of discovered mm-hmm. while I was writing it because I, I I love I love writing for the librarian and. You know, she's great. What a fantastic yeah, she's character. great. Megana Tova, who plays her, is just fantastic. And I, when we first cast her, it was just like I had this. It was we saw a lot of great actors for that role, and I just she was the one who I was like she played it sunny, and I just thought oh she'd be so great with Arjun, like it would be uh-huh. such a great like funny energy. Um, and then uh, you know like the, the, there's there's that I it's it's in I think it's in book two where we where we first see the books of people's lives. Or is it book three? Mm-hmm. I'm like forgetting which one it was because we visited the library twice with Penny. Yeah. Um, I and, can't remember you first see it. I know you definitely see, see the, it in book three. Because like in book three, they also they have the the whole the whole section about Fillory. Oh. But like, you know, when you're writing a TV show, you sort of have moments like that, and you're like, well, how can we expand that into something? How can we make that about who these characters are? Like, we don't know really much about the library or mm-hmm. what it looks like or who the order are or any of that stuff. 
you know, and once we sort of found this, uh, like the my vision of the library was always like it looked like the library I grew up in, the the, mm. the, the public library in, in Ithaca, New York, which was like a <laughs> mid-century yeah, building. Now I get that it. Had those like, yeah, <laughs> that had those like had those you know stacks like that. They have and the rolling. <laughs> they had the and they had the like the old Xerox machine, and they had the like. You know, they they have the library, the machine that takes your an impression from your library card by like you know, clamping down on oh it and like God. a bright light shine. Like this, like oh, I you know, it has old, it has like it didn't have pneumatic tubes, but it felt like that should that's the <laughs> they would have, uh, which we later put in. Um, but like the 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 characters who would know everything seems like they would know, you know things like what happened in those other timelines. So I just, the mm. Janet one was like that, that just felt like the perfect, like little shout out for the fans. It, it who, was. Who, who know the Indeed. books, you know. <laughs> I think we were still doing like live watches together at that point in the chat room. It's harder now because I'm on the West coast and most of the people uh, in the chat room are on the East coast. Right. So I just have to stay away or there's major spoilers. Uh, <laughs> 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 there's, there's like a hundred and, 10 people in there now so it wow know, it gets a little, that's awesome it's a little wild that's that's so cool <laughs> i'm so glad that these people are finding the show that's really cool <laughs> but yeah like it was one of those moments where it was just like everybody's uh, scream typing at the top of their caps lock uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um so what what uh, so what's your what's your next question Any, oh. are we there's more stuff about this uh, about the episode you want to talk about uh, yeah, so much. <laughs> right. We're getting carried away. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's all right. The So the other big thing that I want to discuss in terms of relationships is uh, Quentin and Alice's relationship in this episode and the fallout from the threesome. That, like, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I really love that opening scene. Penny's, like, trying to get, get the band back together and, like, kill the beast. And Quentin and Alice and Elliot and Margo, they're just, like, all yeah. in their own heads. There's almost and no dialogue. It. And we see <laughs> and it on flashback, yeah. How do you that communicate? That was one of those. We we were. I mean, that was another one. Like 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 introducing the free traders, where it was like there was. This, that was one where we just had to rip. Like I could have done. I could have done a million episodes in in Breakville South, and this one was one where we like didn't. Ha- I feel like it, we we had to rip through a lot of story. Yeah. But we had to be because these things happen. Like you, you know, these things happen quickly, and we want to tell these human stories, but and be true to it. This is one thing that like an actor can. Can can express so much emotion through their through their face that it doesn't the words are sort of unimportant. Uh, I also just love the idea, like that's like a straight up standard genre scene where they're like the group stands in a room and they talk about what their plan is and how they're going to solve it. And the version on the magicians is everyone's completely fucked up by the thing that yeah. they did last night, <laughs> um, you know. And we found a way to get into that. You know the 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 three way that was different from obviously from yeah. from the book, um, which I think was about like you know trying to be an adult and not knowing how to do it and failing, mm-hmm. um, and you know I, we were doing that on a smaller, slightly different scale. But like I, it was one of those. It was, just, it's just, it, was it was sometimes the only way around it is through. Like how how are we going to you know we have this plot scene that we have to get out and. Scenes with exposition are really boring, but they're much more interesting if everyone's got like an agenda that's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that they're mm-hmm. that they, 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 they and they're all like full of, you know, Elliot's kind of drunkenly wisecracking, and you know, uh, Margaret just isn't having it, and Quentin is just like Quentin knows he fucked up. 
knows it. And like, you know, we see the scene of him and Alice and like, that was, we didn't even script that. Uh, I feel like I wrote like a couple of lines just to help the actors, but that was one where I just wanted them to, to like, to feel it out and have this fight and see this bad moment. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't need a lot to get it, but like, you knew, you know, like you didn't need to see that scene uh, where they fought, but you needed to know it happened and it's very present. Um, you know, and so, it's, that was, that was, uh, that was hard. How, I remember, like, right. I remember shooting the scene with, with Jason. It was the last, it ended up for whatever reason on the schedule. The last scene we shot of the episode was Jason outside the door, listening mm. to, uh, Alice and Penny have sex. And, um, which was super funny to see on the other side. Cause it's the two actors like sitting next <laughs> to each other, like just making these noises and kind of like, you know, fully clothed, just sort of sitting there doing this. It's like a, the real life version they, of the scene from When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. They, they record it. But like, you know, Jason's, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if he has a specific technique that he draws from. Because that was one of those moments where he, he, he needed to get into the emotional space um, and, and where he like walked up and then felt the thing. Because it's all playing on his face. So it's all like face acting. So he, he, uh, he did what he was, I remember he like, he kind of went on his own for a little while. Uh, and he went up and he did, you know, he did all happen on his face as he's listening. He's just like, you just see his heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then I was like, I had to say, I was saying goodbye to him and I walked up to him afterwards and I could tell he was still in that state and he was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Bye. Uh, you know, know, all the, all those emotions still in him. That's a, that's, you know, not, not, it's not an easy job. No. Uh, no. So I, and part of my question too is like, if you have a scene that has virtually no dialogue, like, how do you write that? How do you communicate that in a script? Is it all just like stage direction, or is it like a um, in real time conversation? Usually, it's stage direction, and then you try to be very specific about what are the emotions that you want to mm-hmm. to see. And often with a scene like that, I'll I'll issue like another. Uh, like an appendix page mm. that is um, that has dialogue for them, but that is never going to be on screen. I, I have I did that in an upcoming episode for season three, as I recall. That where it is. I, I'm not going to give you any details yeah. other than like <laughs> there's a moment where it goes silent and we see the scene continue, and so I gave them something to work from. Yeah. Um, but just so that they can feel present, you know. Um, you know, because the dialogue in those moments are not like you can do a lot without dialogue. Dialogue is fun, yeah, and like it's really fun to write for this show, especially like when it's, you know, I really enjoy writing the kind of the sharp, kind of witty stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, there are some things that are just you can you you know, like that scene with him outside the door where he just he all yeah. plays on his face, you yeah. know. Oh, it's so good. Uh, okay, Rosalind, you want to next question? Oh, uh, yes. So Alice generally seems to do a lot less emotional labor for Quentin in the show than in the book. Although I guess in that scene, that might have been Olivia's decision. <laughs> uh, but, so wait, say that again. She, she, did you say she does less emotional labor? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? She doesn't, I guess she doesn't really coddle him quite as much as book Alice does. Yeah, book Alice, well, I mean, you know, book Alice goes and, and sleeps with Penny, and then she's just like, well, they you both know, do. <laughs> I think you know, they both. They, but, but I meant uh, that's not 
don't mistake that for me judging her. I just meant like that's what she does next. Yeah. And Quentin fucking deserves it. And, you know, I, we, this is an ensemble show. So we were trying very hard to be true to both of their feelings there, you know. Yeah. Um, I really feel for Alice. One of the things that I'm thinking of is not so much in this scene, but um, one scene that we don't see in this is we don't see Alice grab Quentin's hand and, like, force him into Fillory. Oh, and pull, pull him into the Netherlands and then right. punch him. <laughs> and I think that's, like, that for me is a big part of, but that's, that, I mean, the punching aside, like, that for me is a big part of the kind of emotional labor that Alice does, right? Like, she knows what he wants, even when he is too much of a... Uh, uh, too much of a colossal pussy or whatever it is <laughs> uh, yeah. to do it. And even when she's mad at him, she's still sort of doing it, right? Like you were talking earlier about how she goes along for this ride because she knows it's, knows it's important for him. That seems less true in the show version of the story. And I, I, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've tried too. to make Alice a little more of, um, you know, create her own story, like make her yeah. feel like she's got her own narrative. Like I, I think in a, in a, in a perfect world, like all of our characters are like the star of their own TV show in some way, mm. you know, when we try to be true to that, I think that's something that, you know, that first book is very centered on Quentin. It is. And the characters are, they come in, in and out of his orbit. There's some characters who just come in for a minute and disappear, you know, you know, Richard comes in a couple of times. Um, there's a, and the, and then and then and then there's ones like Alice who you know I think is I actually think that it, it, that's one where I feel like Lev looked at that relationship and then thought about it and tried to mm. rewrite it and tried to rewrite it and I think that's how he came to Alice in the third book which is my mm, one of so my great. one of my favorite things you know like that's just such a that's the when you find something that is like. A, dark surprise and you're like oh yeah that makes perfect sense like you know <laughs> it's so romantic when he brings her back and then that she's so angry at him she still has and, that and fire <laughs> it just it just makes yeah. it just makes such sense so I, I you know the fun of doing a tv show is getting to imagine a, a sometimes a you know the alice show mm. uh or the elliot show uh you know or the or the margo show um that you don't always i i think that the the is less the book's concern, yeah. um, you know what I mean, and and I and I think that uh, only because it, it didn't necessarily con- it wasn't the the wasn't germane to the story he was trying to tell. I mean, you know, we have the whole scene where Penny says to her in the you know in Josh's bunker about like you stop doing that thing you do, mm. you know, which was just kind of like a precursor to the one that happens in thirteen where where Quentin gives up. Um, you know, it says like, you should do it. You should take the knife. You should be the person because you're the best. Yeah. Uh, and I think w- one of the things that we were trying very hard to do was like, you know, the, the version of the magicians that, that, um, that, you know, John and Sarah, uh, and all the writers wanted to do was not the, um, was not just the Quentin show, but was yeah. a show that was about all these people. And, and, you know, like it's, when you have uh, men and women, you know, from from uh, different diverse backgrounds writing these characters, they have different interesting perspectives that, that change how you see them. Um, you know, we wanted to subvert the idea of the like traditional. Like, I mean, I think Lev, I think in spirit, this is definitely what Lev is doing. Like, you know, he's subverting the idea of this like the, the you know, like the the 
classic book with the white hero who goes on the adventure, you know, like, I think he's, he's, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to have the perspective of our, of our, of our other characters be very like real and deep as much as we could. And I think that's sort of how Alice came to be who she is in on the show. I think this didn't occur to me until just now, but, um, that moment in, in 13 where, um, where he does sort of turn things over to her, it, it mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of the very, very end of the third book where um, they, they create the land together and, um, sorry, spoilers, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's National Book Day, or read the goddamn book, just do it. Exactly, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, and she's trying to say that it's, like, his world, and he keeps, he keeps throwing it back and being like, no, you get credit for this, too, like, that he, he really yeah. couldn't have done it without her. And not just because he a, needed her power, but because of that whole story wouldn't exist without her. Right. And that's a, you know, Quinn is 10 years older and a mm-hmm. different person and like, you know, not the, you know, callow youth that he <laughs> was. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, the, the, the other thing like we got to do, we had that little phosphoromancy bit, which I, I love because it's sort of like, you know, I had written the earlier episode where they do the discipline testing and, and she reveals phosphoromancy and it's a thing in the book, you know, I think it's a thing in the book, like what Lev is going for, if I had to guess would be like, it's like your major, like how much does it, it it may have relevance, but not really like to your life, you know, but maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, who knows. Um, but like, you know, when you're, when you're doing a, uh, uh, a TV show, it's fun to be able to bring stuff back. And like, this is the moment where you got to be like, Hey, remember when we set up phosphoromancy? <laughs> Here it comes back. <laughs> uh, very cool. Um, oh, Palace, Penny and Alice. Palace. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think like that, one of my favorite moments, I, I don't know. I, I keep saying that, but I have all of the favorite moments in this episode um, is where, <laughs> You were talking about a second ago where Penny calls Alice on like making herself small and uh, sort of not acknowledging the power that she has. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I like about this is that he makes it so abundantly clear that like first and foremost, he's her friend. And then he goes and acts like it. (laughs) Yeah, he's like super not weird about any of it, which I think is kind of great. Like I really love how that's – I really love uh, I, that. I, I, you know, we just tried to like you know they they have a connection in the book. They're friends, but they're not like super close. And mm. she does sort of what she does is a bit of a revenge thing with him because I think she knows it will hurt him, hurt Quentin. I mean, yeah. But but I think that our, our Penny and Alice's are a little more like I, I I like that their that their friendship is real and is based on real things, uh, you know, and that and then he can help. Alice illuminate, you know, things about herself that, that she can't learn from other people. Um, you know, I love that that scene is so, is so like personal and real between the two of them. I think it's, I think it's really cool. They have a, they have a good relationship. Um, the scene where he hits on her, one of my, uh, it was one of my favorite moments on set. I remember because it, it was like, I just, I was next to the director and I was like, don't stop. Like, don't yell cut, like let them play it out. Like when he kind of drops his pickup line I just, I just wanted to see what like Olivia would do, and her face is amazing. Like she, she was like, "Are we gonna cut at some point?" And she's so, 
she like just turned bright red and like it's you know I think to her it's sort of like it's like you know Arjun's like a brother (laughs) it's such a funny you know it was one of those it was so funny and felt like a real like shock reaction you know on the day Um, but they have this I don't know I I love their relationship I think it's great and you know we're we're, um, it's fun that we got to to go into a little here and and, uh, you know that's something I hope that we'll be able to get to do more of in the future yeah, I hope so too. If they're not all dead, <laughs> he said jokingly. <laughs> oh God, please don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> there would not be much not. to have a show. Spoiler about. alert: They're not. Um, <laughs> or are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, on that note, perhaps we should move on to the fashion segment. Sure. Uh, I can tell you, I really enjoy the fashion segment. Oh, good. Uh, good, I'm did glad you, guys you talk, to... Did you guys talk to... Did you ever talk to Magali, our, our costume No, designer? I emailed her her human um, <laughs> from her website, and he never emailed me back, and uh, then uh, I just... She's very, very busy, but yeah, she's a, she is a remarkable human being and, and extremely talented, and her, like, our whole wardrobe department is are terrific, and the stuff that yeah. they... Do, I mean, just... Like, season two is where things just took off like crazy. I, season oh one is God. great. But, like, season two, when they started building stuff for Fillory, it's like, I don't know. Like, that's... The outfits. <laughs> I mean, everything Margot wears is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that, like... Everything Elliot wears is amazing. Uh, <laughs> there's that black dress that that Margot wears in the episode after Alice dies that is just, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. So perfect mm. in every way. Because it's... It is a hundred percent Margot and a hundred percent like Regal, and it is also so clearly like a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Outfit. Um, uh, what's your okay? So what's your what's who's your who's your who's your fa- favorite dressed in this episode? In this episode? Yeah, uh, I, have, I have I have a definite opinion about the outfit that I like the most in this episode. Oh God! I have, I mean I have so many <laughs> things that I like. I didn't even think about favorite. Um, I don't know. I really like the librarian just because it's a new and weird uh, thing. She's great. Those then she wears those amazing pants. Those are like yeah, these, yeah, yeah. The, the like I love the glasses. I love the yeah. That whole yeah. outfit is terrific. So I really love her. And then um, the, I mean the other thing that I just like is is less about I think the outfit itself though it is a great outfit than it is about uh, what she says about it. I love that line when Margot like the emotion bottles break and like her immediate emotional reaction is to scream that she planned her whole outfit around the bottle <laughs> and, I mean you can see it it's a great coat but it's just so yeah, yeah. it's so funny that like that is the thing that it's you know it's a great moment where like when people have when people like push their emotions away for so long what comes out is always something weird and not quite right like you get mad about something entirely different and I don't know that whole moment is that great. is one of those summer did that like did that line like 17 different ways she's a just she always surprises you like she'll she'll deliver a line in a way that you just did not see coming and it's like that <laughs> it's it's always a delight because you never know what um you know i think i had initially written it thinking like it would be weepy like it'd be like really really like upset and crying and she was like no i think i'm angry yeah. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. And then, like, it just got – every time she did it, I just – I could not stop laughing. It's so funny. I mean, anger all the way down as, as, uh, as Liv says in the books. <laughs> uh, so, Rosalind, what's your favorite? 
Um, I was really into Julia's outerwear for time travel. Uh, she mm. had this plaid scarf yes. and long wool coat that I thought were so really Burberry. appropriate. Very <laughs> like back right, to going the to Britain, forties, right? Yeah. Unlike Quentin's choices, <laughs> she really Quentin's a little more like has a standard outfit. I think. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, a, he's got a uniform that he kind of goes. It's a, yeah. He goes with what's comfortable. <sighs> See, I, I love that you said that because one of the things that I think is kind of most brilliant in the costuming choice is that is that like that is such a great oh, yeah. way of showing like Quentin isn't special. Is he's the only person who doesn't have a distinct style? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. I, I but I. I, I guess. I would argue he does. I mean, I would yeah. argue that it's it's just a little more like, you know. He doesn't have a flashy a little, style. He does not have a flashy style. No. And 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 uh, and that's true. And when you stand next to Elliot and Margot, it's a little hard to stand out. Mm. You know. Uh I for one love Elliot's like uh riding boots are right, like one of my favorite things in this episode. <laughs> and when we shot all the Netherlands stuff, it was raining like crazy. And he was like poor Hale was like slipping up and down these muddy hills on the UBC campus where we shot that. Uh it, but like he was such a good sport riding boots the whole time. That was by, by probably my favorite. That and the vest he's wearing are probably my favorite. Uh, were, were so many good vests. Details. Yeah, so many <laughs> so many good vests. So many good vests. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, th- th- that covers, I think, a lot of the outfits for this episode. There's so many, but those were the ones that I found notable. But I wanted to ask you in general, I mean, it seems like the wardrobe department and, and Magali in particular put a lot of thought into the, like, sartorial choices that the characters 100%. have. 100%. I mean, Magali runs the wardrobe department. She's got a very talented group of yeah. people who, who, who work with her. So, um, but yeah, like they, 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 I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, long ago I worked on the show Ugly Betty and we had a lot of, uh, like what I particularly uh-huh. like about, uh, you know, like worked with a lot of different fashion people and what I love about Magali's choices is that they, she's very thoughtful about like, uh, the world that they are coming from and like her stuff is very like smart fashion wise. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, she, she, her stuff, like some of it could be on a runway. Like that's what I yeah. just, I don't know. I, I, like any I of really, the fillery outfits for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> for um, sure. And, but part of what I want to ask you is right. Like there, there's so much that goes into reflecting the character development and, and story arcs. And I, that's different from what I see on a lot of shows, just that level of detail. So I'm curious for you as a writer, what it's like working with them. And if that collaboration has informed your writing, uh, if like the... Do you, you mean working with, with who? Uh, with Wardrobe, or, yeah, with Magali and her. Oh, um, I mean, sometimes it's a surprise. I mean, mm-hmm. she usually sends us some choices and then she'll have favorites. Uh, you know, we get these documents from her with photos of the of the, um, of the the actors in different outfits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, and it's like they get to play dress up. One of my favorite ones this year was one of like uh, this... Um, it was one of Margot, and she's in like this little kind of waistcoat, and she's got this eye patch, and she's just in the photo. She's like on her phone, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> um, you know. I should take a photo to tweet it. Uh, yeah, later on, yeah, during, during I love the, that. You know, I don't want to spoil the outfit. The outfit is great. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. This is one of those wardrobe. I'm going to put it in the category of like. One of the great things about being a television writer is that you get to be surrounded by brilliant people who make you look even better. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you get, 
you know, I, I, I'm very proud of our scripts. I think our scripts are really good, and we put a lot of hard work into them. I think the writers on our staff are terrific. Um, and, you know, I'm very proud of the lines in the script, but I also think, you know, that, that I'm, I'm grateful that we have such talented actors who make the lines sound even better or, 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 or like more emotional or even like just surprising, like the, in ways that you just wouldn't think they, they, they bring emotion or, or laughter from them in ways that you wouldn't expect. And the same thing goes for the crew, you know, like that I, I, I half these outfits I would never have imagined, but they just, it's, it's that, you know, like it's that someone is like Magali's thinking so deeply and specifically about this that makes the world seem real and fully realized. Mm. And, you know, we have, I, that goes to all, I mean, all of our departments, camera, um, you know, lighting and grip, it goes to our, our production design, you know, in a big way, our yeah. production design, obviously, because they're literally building the worlds that we're in. Yeah. Um, you it was, know, um, we talked to Lionel. Our, department, our props department. The props is fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We, we talked to Lionel Hebert um, uh, at some point during season two. And for me, it was so, it, it was just so fascinating to to hear the level of detail that that team goes into thinking about, like, designing the tracks and holding the cameras and making sure that everything, right, like thinking about the movement in ways that um, that I never even considered, right? I mean, there's I'm so curious, much to what, that. What did, what did he say? So many things. Um, I'm not going to remember all the details off the top of my head, but I just, he t- I remember him telling us about one of the shots in the throne room um, mm-hmm. and how... Uh, I can't remember if it was him or somebody else on the team was like literally hanging off the camera... <laughs> uh, to tr- to give it like the right motion. Um, a- well, as they've, it they've I mean, they've designed the color palette uh, yeah. uh, uh, of 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 every world that we're in. They've designed the specific, uh, you, you know, Ellie Smolkin, who who's our DP. Yeah. You know, put who has put an incredible amount of thought. You know, in the first two seasons, he he, he like when he was initially just into designing. You know when we would see, um, when we would be handheld, when we would be on track, when we would, you know, when we would see Steadicam, and it's every choice is specific. You know what I mean? We I don't think we saw the color yellow until we got to Fillory, and like that was a was <laughs> it was a choice yeah. to do so because it made Fillory seem special in a way, and and like that's another one of those that's another one of those things where like you know there's there's nothing in the script that says that, but. But we're fortunate to have like a brilliant guy like him who designs it and makes the thing feel real and 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 like magical and you know yeah it, the thing I love about that is that it's one of those as your your things are defined as much by what you hold back as by what you show you know what I mean yeah. um, and we're gonna kind of change up some of that stuff this <laughs> year because of the fact that there's no magic in the world and so mm. you know. They're, they're, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be handheld in places we weren't normally handheld. And, you know, like this is, you may or may not notice it, but it's something to, like if, as a, as Uber fans, it might be something you can, you would appreciate when you see it. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do our best to pick it up. <laughs> um, okay. I, I think that must be it for fashion. I think we veered off fashion anyway. So, uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, which puts us at our MVP. So, uh, I'm going to save you for last on this one, Henry, cause I know it's like asking you to pick your favorite child. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start us off. Um, 
And just so I don't t- sound like a total, total fangirl and like I'm completely brown nosing you, I'm going to stick to cast. Um, <laughs> uh, so my, my MVP this episode, I think, is, is Stella. I think she gives such a nuanced performance. And, and like you were saying, that sort of shift between like happy Julia and uh, all those little different parts. I mean, that really, I like. I, I noticed the difference in her breathing, which is an insane thing to <laughs> to bring to a performance. Totally. So that's me. Rosalind, what about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I nominate Penny for low-key MVP because she <laughs> kind of gets stuck babysitting the rest of the physical kids when they are at their worst. That's and true. And actually mm-hmm. empathetic towards Alice, who's been betrayed by everybody else and, like, you know, Elliot and Margot are like, mm, what's that got to do with us? But um, <laughs> he made Alice a more valuable player for the rest of the episode by kind for of sure. refocusing then, her in that way. For sure. And also then going into the next one as well. Um, so, yeah, your turn uh, now. Pick your favorite kid. <laughs> this is tough. I think I would have to say, well, it's a toss-up between I, – because, I, like, I, I sort of feel like uh, – uh, uh, Stella and Jason as a pair in this one, or so mm. are are, uh, but like I think I'm I'm gonna go with Stella for this one because she's on her own for this is the first episode where she's been a, like on her own in her own story like away from everyone else for so much of this adventure and this is where it finally like intersects mm. and she uh, um, you know she contains there's so much mystery in the way that she behaves and she plays it so well and then. And then when, you know, Ember in the next episode, spoiler alert, slaps the memory spell off of her, she she breaks down in such an, uh, like a, you know, a believable way. Like, I, I totally buy that friendship. And, mm. and you know, I want to give credit to both of them there, but but uh, just for the sake of choosing somebody, I'm going to choose Stella because, <laughs> um, you know, this is the episode where she really kind of comes in and joins the, yeah. the, the family. I, I you know, feel like you. I had that same... People struggle because i think they are so like they're like a binary star system in this it's like how do you <laughs> yeah I, li- I really like that shot of the two of them under the table is one of my favorite shots yeah. we've ever done in the series um so before we go to the episode rating if do you still have time can we give you like two yeah more no i'm okay okay yeah um, sure, sure. so we we had one that came in from a fan came in from a at dominic tyler he's he's also he made our our art for the uh podcast oh, cool. Um, hey, and it's his birthday today, so happy oh, birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, and uh, he asked about how, how working on the magicians is different from working on Charmed and, and whether you've learned anything on Charmed that you applied to the magicians. And then, Rosalind, <laughs> you wanted to add on to that something about the magic. I did. Um, just how does the more mechanical concept of magic that Lev's constructed compare to working with the more like Wicca influenced magic that you had on Charmed? Um, yeah. So we gave you like three questions in one. Sorry. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to think. I mean, the, the, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, Charmed is a little more of, uh, 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 uh you know what a friend of mine calls tv flavored television do you know what i mean yeah. like it's a it's a classic i mean it was a you know it was it was a standalone episodes sisters who happen yeah. to be you know witches uh, uh with three storylines the plus a demon storyline it was a little more standardized and in you know there was a there was a there i don't want to see there was a formula to it 
Um, and the, the challenge of that show was in trying to like do, do the find different ways to kind of express the yeah. formula. Um, uh, you know, I, I was a junior writer when I worked on that show. I was like a story editor and like mm-hmm. a, a producer, exact story editor and a producer uh, on the show. Um, so like, I, you know, I learned a lot about producing. Uh, it's interesting. I worked with uh, uh, Jamie Conway, who's, a, who's directed a lot of episodes of The Magicians. Mm. Is doing um, is shooting one of my episodes right now up in, in Vancouver, cool. um, who was our producing director. Uh, so it was really interesting to kind of get back together. I, he had not shot any of my episodes on The Magicians yet, and this is the first one, season three. Mm. So it was very fun to chat with him. I mean, I've seen him a, a bunch because he's you know around the offices periodically. But you know, when you when a director is doing your show, you really get to work with them. And I yeah. spent a lot of time, you know, talking about all of the things that I learned from early jobs, like like Charmed in particular. Um, you know, uh, 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 I mean, a lot of it, a lot of what I learned was how to make a, a make like a like what seems like a lot from a little, which mm. are like producing tricks, um, because you know we did we didn't have a ton of money in at the time, and you know on on magicians, you know we have a we have a healthy budget, but even you know, this is like uh, it's funny. You talk to the guys from Game of Thrones, and they'll talk about all the shots that they couldn't get. Do you know what I mean? Like even those guys yep. who are doing at the at the most expensive show on television by a long shot. Uh, and you know, we feel that constantly. But like one of the fun things about coming from having produced like a you know a solid show like that is that you really learn how to you know, how to stretch your dollar, how to make it work, how to make the moments really count, how to emphasize, how to break story in a way that emphasizes the things that TV does well and veer away from the things it doesn't do well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unless you have a gajillion dollars, you know, which which <laughs> we don't. And I also think it's not, you know, it's, I love Game of Thrones and the spectacle, spectacle of it. Uh, I think that like those are the, those those things, like I think our show is a smaller, more personal show, mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that and that's something that you know, uh, writing stories from character was something we did on that show, um, and it's definitely something that you know that I've taken with me, and I and I and I certainly approach magicians from that uh, uh, perspective. I think um, you know, one of the things that's a relief about writing magicians is that there's no need to have a message or a happy ending. Like we're trying to make, you know. Telling a story where someone at the end is horrified and shocked, you know, or or you know embarrassed or what have you, is 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 is, is good if not a better. Like you know, I I like the the I wrote the episode where we killed Alice in season two. Yeah, uh, and I'll never get a better ending than that. I mean, that was you know. <laughs> So you know, and that and that's uh, I you know I, Charm did kill a few characters, so I can't I can't uh, I can't say that we would never do that, but it's not something you know. The the uh, our characters are uh, much more flawed, and we mm. have no necessary. We don't have any desire to uh, you know necessarily make them better or more likable. You know, yeah, takes the fun out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's then it's it it's the thing that makes them a real human beings doing yeah. magic, and not like you know characters from a from a you know. I was gonna say comic book, but I love comic books, so I don't want to like denig- I don't mean to denigrate comic books. I just mean like there's a certain mode of character that you're familiar with that that like that that you know has an arc and is good and is appealing and comes to the end of it. And in the end, you still like them. And you know, 
And then there's like the guy you went to high school with is kind of a dick sometimes. And like, what if he had magic? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that, that to me is the fun of our show. Yeah. Um, so one of the other big questions I had for you is, um, how you decide who gets to write which episode, if it's, if it's like a pitching process for every episode or if there are like specialties that y'all have. No, we, we usually just, it's usually, uh, uh, like, um, I would say we do it usually in order. I would say sometimes it's in order of seniority, but sometimes it's like we, you know, the upper level writers tend to go first, just because that's. You know, we usually just pick like we pick like in a row, mm-hmm. starting with the upper levels and going down, and then you know sometimes we'll change it up. I mean, season one, I wrote episode three, and then I wrote episode ten because uh, 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 that year, um, John. And um, David Reed is another one of our writers. Um, were had to finish their scripts and return to a different show that Johnny created called Aquarius that we were mm, right. was going on at the same time. So we were trying to get those scripts done beforehand. So that's, so that's why. And then I ended up writing ten and twelve. And then I've I've written uh, I wrote episode three and episode ten uh, uh, either wrote or co-wrote uh, for the first two seasons. Um, and it was just that was just like the luck of the draw. I mean. Yeah. I try to. I think I probably write some of the ones that are a little, uh, you know, like uh, I've written some of the funnier ones, just like ones that are have more comedy. But like then I wrote episode three, which is super dark. So I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's funny because I feel like um, one of the reasons that I, I'm, I I've said this before, but I, I'm very drawn to the episodes that you've written, and I think part of that is there's so much character development in all of them and they're so they all seem to have the tone of the book in in one way or well, another. I mean that's what that is the thing that we that is the thing that we strive really hard in the room to is to is to create stories that like I mean the the feeling is that like it you know it may not be the de- the dish that Lev served yeah. but it tastes like the book you know what I mean like the <laughs> the, the, the the you know it's it the all the things happen in the book, not necessarily in that order, and the show is tr- tries to be very true to the tone. Yeah. Is that, that is the thing that he really delivered in spades that makes it uh, actually a, 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 the easiest thing to adapt, is that the show has a point of view and has a tone that is easy to, you know, to, to I don't want to say easy, yeah. but it's like that one can recreate, Yeah. you know, and, and so like that's the thing we work hardest to try to make present in the, in, in the, in the show, you know. Mm. Um, you know, and so it veers from like funny to dark to sad yeah, to yeah. real to tragic to like scary. All you get of all of the emotions. All that, you know, all that stuff, <laughs> all the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, I guess we should. I guess we should go off to episode rating then. Um, thank you for sticking around for so long. I think this is going to be sure, our no. longest episode, and I am oh, not wow, remotely okay. sad about that. <laughs> All right, well, you can cut out all the boring stuff. Oh, there's no boring stuff, trust me. (laughs) The only boring parts are are when the the recording cuts out for, like, ten seconds. (laughs) And even then you get to hear me and Rosalind, like, singing in the background. You didn't, but maybe you (laughs) would. I I missed that part. Um, okay, so I, I pretend Rosalind, I'm not here I, when you rate it. Like pretend I'm not. Pretend like I'm not <laughs> on the show. So like, do your like real harsh rating, whatever the rating oh, you give it was. <laughs> That's a cute idea that you had there, uh, <laughs> Rosalind. Why don't you start? <laughs> okay, can I just 
preface this by saying I'm really bad with this kind of scale and think <laughs> the crap out of it. Like I cannot use a pain scale to save my life, um, which may actually kill me someday. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's hope not. <laughs> that was that was uh, some magician's humor there. <laughs> um, this is actually probably my favorite episode of the season, but wow. I'm. I'm giving it an eight because I want to leave room to be like <laughs> completely blown away in the future. That seems fair. See, I'll, I I'll feel take like an eight. everyone is learning from my terrible example where I like I gave the first episode of season two a ten, uh, <laughs> and then I was just so screwed. I was so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ruined it, bro. I remember that. I think you. I think you missed the show. That was it. Like it, it was, you were happy to have it back and be back in that world. That was what I thought. You know, I, I think that's part of it. I also it it took me a while to warm up to season one. Um, mm, and season sure, two came yeah. in with such a punch. Like I got a little attached to it from, I, you know, the end of season one, I got a little attached to it and to the characters. And I do think that there was a, I do think that it was, I, I think the season one episode is, um, stronger than a lot of the early, or the season two opening episode is stronger than a lot of the opening episodes in, um, season one. And that a lot of the episodes in season one, part of that I think is just because the actors have had time to develop more chemistry sure um, also i think we we had found the show by then which is yeah which is like makes mm-hmm. it easier to write and that's exactly um, it like that was the episode that felt to me like it had found what mm-hmm. what the show wanted to be about um so i gave that a 10 and then i was screwed because it it, it, it really <laughs> did just get better from there <laughs> so yeah. um that said this is um you know, I think this is my all-time favorite episode from both of them. So uh, I'm going to wow, give it a 10, right. which is still, I think, not my highest rating. But we'll, we'll just go with it because that is what perfection is supposed to look like. So <laughs> 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 you're not supposed to do 11 out of 10. I think I've done it, but let's, you know. How <laughs> <laughs> close to 11? <laughs> all, well, I, 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 well, I don't think I should rate it. No, we have that in our (laughs) script that I'm not going to ask you to write an episode you wrote, but I I do want to ask you of the episodes you've written, what is your favorite? Like, what's what's your baby? (laughs) Um, You know, probably episode 203, Mm. uh, the Divine Elimination, just because it was the episode where we killed Alice. And that was one of my, (laughs) that was such a big, moment and to get to it do was, that yeah. was really like uh, you know and, and, and it was and, and it just coincided with and we also killed marina and yeah. you know it just it's it was one of those like episodes where just you you know it's it's a it is a great privilege to get to do something like that something horrible and and my you know and 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 emotional and 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 you know like it, it was uh it was fun to write and i i basically try to write the funniest script that I could because I thought um, it's going to, it's going to go so dark that, that it can handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that was probably the, you know, at the time I think I was kind of like, Oh, I had to do all this heavy <laughs> emotional, like lifting. Everyone's going to, but I mean, it was actually a lot of, uh, that one was a lot of like moving pieces around. They ran from here, they ran from there. <laughs> You know, here they're cursed, and then they're in a thing, and then they're running, and they're trying to get the solution, and then so like we had to squeeze all the emotional scenes in. Yeah. So like that was one where, but like I, you know, it just it just you know John Scott who directed it did a it did such a great job. You know, I'm I'm super proud of this one too. Uh, uh, Twelve, 
but like you know, um, you asked me to pick a favorite. I like, I like, the, one, I like the one where where I killed Alice and Marina, <laughs> and the cat, <laughs> and the cat. Oh, <laughs> poor cat. That cat, yes, the cat was not harmed, but boy, that was a yeah, Ugh, gruesome. <laughs> it was. It was uh, yes. <laughs> that well, was a great prop that they built. Uh, that that inside out cat was like. I mean, oh. I wish you couldn't see it. Uh, the, 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 one of the best things that happened when we were shooting that, and by best I mean worst, uh, <laughs> is that they, we had a black cat in this apartment that we totally blacked out and covered up because we were shooting like day for night. So it was just dark as you, anything in there. And the cat got out. I'm like, we, like, you can't, how do you find a black cat in a dark <laughs> apartment? <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, anyway. That reminds me, I have to ask is, what was, what was the Trogdor? Is that the cat that, uh, Joined the writer's room? Oh, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was Rupert Trogdor Catwin the third. Is, is Rupert Trogdor Catwin the third? Rupert Trogdor Catwin the third, yeah. As writers, we're big fans of the, of the <laughs> Homestar Runner. Is, uh, um, is Rupert still, still in the writer's room or has Rupert he been adopted? Has, Rupert has been adopted by someone else. Uh, it's in, in a long, crazy story that I that I won't go into here. But uh, <laughs> our our PA who who rescued him, uh, Malcolm, uh, he rescued him from the street. Uh, was uh, unfortunately told by his landlord he could under no circumstances Aww. have a cat. So at great pain, he he let him he he gave him up to a a, a friend of our uh, of our script coordinator or I'm sorry, former script coordinator, current writer's assistant. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, God, I can't thank you enough for being here for for sure. being so generous with your You're time. Welcome. Of course, um, of course. I really hope I hope we get to do it again, season three. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I I can't wait to hear what you guys think of that. Uh, you can ask any season three questions, which so I get off scot free. That's good. I, I asked you a few. I asked you what was coming up. You do you have anything you can tease? You know, there's a, I mean, you know, there's a boat, and you yeah. know that well, there's a. You know that there's a epic quest, and uh, what else do you know from um, no like, Comic Con? No magic. Um, we're like deep into the the Magician King. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's 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 like has been the big like informative book for this season, which is very interesting because like you know we're often pulling from all the books, and and this season we have a lot of like it's a lot of Magician King stuff. Yeah. So I, I won't ask you to answer as I think this. I can tell you. I won't ask you to answer this then, but um, I I do have to say one of the biggest questions on my mind is how everyone gets to Fillory if there's no magic. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think about that every day. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a giant, it's a giant, it's a giant pain in the butt. <laughs> <I'll tell you laughs> well, uh, cool. I look forward to it. There's there's nothing you know from our perspective. Like you know, if if you create a problem, you play the problem. Like that's, that's kind mm. of the philosophy in the room. Like, don't, don't like, don't make it easy for yourself because it's not easy for the characters. So like, yeah. that's the fun of it. Um, I, you know, we do end up going back to and forth to Fillory. The show is still like set, you know, in, in several places. And uh, we, we, it's a, it's like almost different every time. That's what I'll say. <laughs> well, I, so. I look forward to, to, to seeing it play out. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I really, this is sure, been you're, you're welcome. Fantastic. And I think we might've, uh, you know, Lev was tweeting earlier this week that he was, uh, 
obsessed with song exploder and wanted a book exploder. I, I think, think we I, got a little I script saw. exploder today. So, okay, uh, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right, listeners, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And uh, oh, my script says see you next week, but uh, I don't remember exactly when the next one's going to come out. So we'll find out. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. Mind slide. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead, Russ. Trogdor Catwin the Third.